Welcome to the Keeping It Israel podcast with Jeff Futers, where Jeff and his guests talk everything Israel as it relates to Christian faith and the church. If you are a Christian and you stand with Israel, you will be encouraged and challenged by this podcast. And if you're not so sure about the whole Israel thing, you need to learn how your faith connects with Israel and why standing with Israel matters. Now here's Jeff with today's guest. Welcome to the Keeping It Israel podcast. My name is Jeff. I'll be your host today. Today, my guest is Peter Sukahira, and Peter is the co-founder of Kehilat HaKarmel, or the Carmel Congregation in English, on Mount Carmel in Isvia, Israel, just outside of Haifa. Peter is a wonderful pastor, teacher. He is a prolific author, and uh, the book that we will reference today is Peter's book, God's Tsunami. And uh, we're going to be discussing a number of things today, prophetic fulfillment in modern Israel, a bit about replacement theology, uh, reconnecting with our Jewish roots. Peter just has some incredible insights. So let's listen in to my interview with Peter Sukahira. Well, welcome to the podcast today. And uh, my guest today is Peter Sukahira. And Peter, you are the co-founder of Kehilat HaKarmel, or the Carmel Congregation uh, outside of Haifa in uh, Isfia, I think is the name of the little town. And um, tell us about yourself. Uh, Here, I'll give you just a little hit list. Uh, Tell us how you got to Israel, how how you came to Yeshua first, how you got to Israel, and what you've been doing since you got there. Can you do that in a few minutes? Uh, well, Jeff, I'm a, a Japanese-American-Israeli, and uh, my grandparents were immigrants to the United States from Japan. Uh, I was born in Boston and uh, came to the Lord uh, out of the hippie generation in the early 1970s, uh, right at the same time as my Jewish girlfriend uh, from New York. And uh, we had met in Boston where we were students in the same university and came to uh, faith in, uh, in Yeshua, in Jesus, in New Mexico, where we were pursuing a, a, a hippie lifestyle. The Lord mm. got a hold of us and uh, just radically saved us because we didn't have any other plans. Uh, you know, his plan became the plan. And uh, he told us that we were, we were going to get married, that we were going to serve him, uh, somehow in ministry, and that we were going to end up in Israel. So uh, way back wow. uh, in those days, in the early 1970s, we knew that somehow we were going to be coming here. So we did get married, and uh, we uh, decided that the best way to, to go into ministry was to study. So we went to a, a, a Bible school in Dallas, Texas, called Christ for the Nations. It was a, a, a wonderful two-year uh, program. And uh, the wonderful thing, really, about it was they had a vision for Israel. And they were, they were praying for Israel and uh, in connection with this, this uh, just beginning messianic, uh, messianic body in that country. Um, after that, I, I wanted to pursue more biblical studies and went out to a a seminary connected to a large uh, charismatic church in Southern California. The church was called Melody Land. And uh, they had a school of theology. So I spent years there and also served on the pastoral staff uh, and uh, really prepared. But by that time, the Lord said uh, that we should go 
uh, we should leave the United States and go to Japan uh, first. Rita had never gone, had never been in Japan, and okay. uh, I, I was not born there. But my father had been a diplomat for the U.S. government, and so I'd grown up there, and so it was kind of like a second home for me. And uh, so we we went to uh, to to uh, Tokyo. We lived and served in Tokyo uh, for a number of years, and uh, uh, learned some Japanese. And Rita got to be be in touch with the the, the Japanese culture uh, side of side of my life. But we knew that that one day we'd end up in Israel, and uh, the doors opened in uh, 1987. Uh, and uh, we, by that time, we knew that we would live in Haifa, on Mount Carmel. Hmm. That that was the place that God wanted to plant us. And we also knew that we would go uh, as as immigrants and start new lives there. And uh, so that's what we did. Uh, and uh, we were planted on Mount Carmel and really struggled as new immigrants. We had no idea uh, really what that, <laughs> what that would mean. And it's the big reset button. Your life starts all over again. And right. in a strange uh, culture, a new language, uh, a nation that was struggling for its survival uh, and a nation with different people groups within it, also uh, jostling together and uh, and uh, a nation where there were very very few believers uh, in in Yeshua, believers mm -hmm. in Jesus, and uh, the believers that were there were scattered. There were very few congregations, and there were none on the top of the of Carmel where where we were living. So uh, we uh, we were we were truly new immigrants and uh, starting new lives. And I'm glad we did it when we were a lot younger, <laughs> because yeah. it, was, it was quite a challenge. Now, uh, you said a few things there, and I'm, you know, I'll just pick up on a, I think what I would call a, a, a ministry nuance. Uh, and that is, you know, you said, in 1970, you came to the Lord, and the Lord told you uh, that you would, you know, be in ministry, and that you eventually be in Israel. But you know, God doesn't always uh, immediately transport us to the end goal, does he? There's usually a journey involved. That's, that's right. Uh, and, uh, you know, God is, is very, very wise. Mm. And he knows, uh, he knows everything. He knows everything that, that he needs to know, uh, which is far more than we need to know. And so he's, he's, uh, yeah. he, <laughs> answers questions you know he invites us to to ask and yeah. to receive and to understand but uh, but he very rarely tells us the whole picture because if we did i th if he did i think we'd be scared to death <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> wouldn't We're kind be, it wouldn't be good for us to know everything yeah okay? and so, so we learn to be led we learn to put our hand in his and to trust him and uh, to take to take the next step and uh, that's that's what our lives have, have been like that's uh, good. the early years in the 1970s when we we came to faith yeah that's good i love that and uh we learn to be led i think is you know as believers we're kind of like uh you know the military we're, we're like the privates we we're on a need to know basis aren't we <laughs> <laughs> until, we, until we get a little more experience, and, and even then, um, it's, it's a step at a time. Now, you, uh, you are the co-founder 
at the Carmel Congregation. Uh, That's you right. and Rita co-founded with another wonderful couple. Share just a little bit about that. Well, when we arrived uh, as, as immigrants in 1987, uh, there were a couple other Messianic congregations in our city, but they were in a, a different part of the city uh, mm -hmm. from, from where we were living and where we felt that, that our call was. And, um, and so we, we, we searched for, for, for partners. And uh, uh, after we'd been in, in Haifa for a couple of years, we met this couple that had moved uh, from Jerusalem. They were immigrants like us, also like us, a Jew and a Gentile married together, also from the United States. And they had, uh, they had uh, moved to Jerusalem and then felt that, that Haifa, Mount Carmel, was the place that they should come. And uh, this was David and Karen Davis, and they had a vision to start a drug and alcohol rehabilitation center for men, the first of its kind in, in modern Israel. Mm -hmm. uh, they also had a, a wonderful a vision of Jews and Arabs coming off of drugs and into the kingdom of God together. <laughs> okay, so, so not only was this the, the kind of work that no one had ever seen in, in modern Israel, uh, but it was also the idea of Jews and Arabs together. I mean, we were, the, our, the country was at war with the Arabs, you know, it was like it was, but, um, but they persisted with that, with that vision. And, uh, and we came alongside of them to, to pray together. Mm. And uh, then the first Gulf War came and, uh, in 1991. And we were all severely tested because the missiles from Iraq landed in our city, disrupted everything. Uh, and uh, so many people, foreigners and Israelis, left. <laughs> you know, it was like it was like a tremendous, it was our first real shooting war. You know, where you have people thousands of kilometers away who want to kill you and they want to kill your family and, and they would consider it a good day if they can destroy you. I mean, that's war. You don't realize um, how serious a thing is till we go through it. And, and we were, nothing had prepared us for that. And uh, so, but after that war, something changed in, in all of us. We really felt like we had this baptismal fire, you might, you might say. And right after that, in 1991, God spoke to the four of us and said, you're going to start a, a congregation. Uh, and it, we began in the, in the a rehab facility, but soon uh, moved to, to new facilities. And, then, and God's grace has been on it mm -hmm. since that, those, uh, those years. It's grown and grown and, uh, and produced uh, leaders. Uh, now we're moving into our next generation of, of leaders. Uh, tragically, uh, Karen's husband, David, passed away. Uh, several years ago, uh, but but uh, the, the the grace of passing on the DNA mm -hmm. had had already taken place. All right, and so yeah. so the new leaders that are coming up already. Uh, I'm am still involved in a in a in a central role, but not the central role. Right. And uh, obviously, after these years, stepping back and and moving into other areas as well. Of, of ministry yet. because now what what God has done in Israel is catching the interest of people around the world and, and uh, they're beginning to see this is a this is a renewal a, a uh, this is a prophetic um, as well as historic um, yeah. occurrence 
that has relevance to Christians everywhere. So the interest is continuing to grow. And so I do a lot of traveling, speaking, uh, writing books, and uh, helping the Christian movement worldwide understand uh, the meaning and the significance of this incredible uh, prophetic event called modern Israel. Mm -hmm. I do want to talk a little bit about that. I'll, I'll make a passing comment, though. You, you talked about 1970, and if I'm doing the math correctly, that's like 50 years ago. How is it that you still look so incredibly young? Well, it actually, it wasn't 70. It was 1973. Oh, 73. Well, okay, 47 years ago, but still. How do you look so young? Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's just the grace of God and, and maybe the Middle Eastern sun, you know, and the, the wonderful, I don't know, I mean, we tell jokes about this, but, but it's just, um, I think it's, uh, it's the grace of God. Yeah. And the Lord, is, Lord has been good. He's got plans that extend uh, far into the future. But... Uh, but also, you know, my mom is 99 and a half. Wow. wow. Okay. So, so God gave me some, some DNA, I think, that, uh, that is an advantage. Good genes. That's good. Well, listen, you have uh, traveled uh, widely. You have written a number of books. And uh, I read you, you, not you, I think Rita handed me your book one day when I was there at the congregation on one of my first visits, and, uh, and I read God's Tsunami. And I wanted to just talk a little bit about what's been going on in Israel. I mean, you, you mentioned, you know, the, the, the testing of war and the renewal, the renewal that followed and the planting of the congregation. You guys, you know, you talk about that tsunami language. You've kind of been riding that wave ever since. And, and there's something amazing that God is doing in Israel. Um, Share a little bit about that, because what I uh, encounter here a lot in Canada still are, you know, apathetic churches, churches that don't understand why we should connect with Israel. There's, right. there's a lot of this still out there. And so I want you to share a little bit. Well, we're, we're in an incredibly, uh, um, d incredible day of prophetic fulfillment hmm. uh, for the church worldwide. And it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to describe this just in a few words because God hasn't done something this big uh, in centuries. And uh, I think the problem about, about the Christians everywhere really understanding uh, the significance of modern Israel and the significance of the fact that the gospel is coming back to Jews and Arabs in this land and an indigenous body is rising up where, where Jesus is worshipped in his own land, among his own people, in his own language for the first time in 2,000 years, the significance of this is just is being slow to dawn on the church, not because this is such a little thing and people kind of put it aside, and some people think it, it is like that, but really the problem is it's such a big thing. We're not taught in our Bible schools or our seminaries to deal with this scale of a move of God. We're taught to look for revivals and theologies, you know, and prayer movements, you know, not when mm -hmm. God steps and rearranges, you know, the, the, the order of nations. Uh, and so this is a, this is a, a, a deep, deep, big change because it's, it's not just a nation. It's the biblical nation. It's, it's the, this is the people who wrote the Bible, not just the old Testament. They wrote the new Testament. 
<laughs> this is the people that produced Jesus and the apostles <laughs> and the New Testament writers. It's not just, you know, the, the prophets and the, you know, the lawgivers and the, you know, of the, of the Old Testament. They produced the Bible and now they're back as a people and a nation. Uh, this is a paradigm shift. Maybe the, the, the only thing that comes close would be the Protestant Reformation, which was 500 years ago that changed our theology, that changed the way we do church, that changed the way we understand the world. This is a, this is a, a big event. It's gonna, it takes a while for it to sink in and for us to get our, a, a, a grip on it. But, uh, but what's amazing about it is that the Bible itself predicts these events mm-hmm. and speaks uh, in so many ways, you know, that the, the, the Jewish people and the land, okay, and God's covenant promise, okay, this is ever the promised land, you know, of, of, and the, the people and the land and how he wants, wants uh, this land to impact the nations and the, the roots of the, of the gospel message. This is now being restored. This is a massive restoration of the biblical uh, foundations of Christianity. So it, it marks a, a major course adjustment for the Christian movement. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and it's already begun. We're in it now. The ship is turning. Yeah, the ship is turning. And, um, you know, I, I think there's still work to be done. Uh, certainly <laughs> a, lot of, uh, a lot of sentiment out there. And I wouldn't even, uh, you know, I wouldn't call it anti-sentiment. Uh, as as opposed to, uh, you know, the other term that we hear all the time. Uh, there's a lot of that out there as well, but I wouldn't necessarily call it anti, but there's there's just a lot of uh, either not understanding or or not, I, would, I wouldn't even say not caring, that sounds harsh, but but it's, uh, there's an apathy. There's, there's just, um, I think we get so caught up in what we're doing in our communities and, and missions and the gospel. And, and there's a, a lot of churches that don't even consider uh, Israel on their radar when it comes to some of those kind of things. Um, right. Talk a little bit about, uh, about replacement theology, about this idea that, you know, that we as the church now are the new Israel. And uh, I mean, it's, it's a, a terrible teaching, but, um, but, what are the roots of that, and, and how do we overcome that? Well, you know, Israel produced uh, the, the the prophets and the apostles. Uh, Jesus Himself, you know, it was God's choice that He would come to the world out of out of out of Israel. Uh, but the gospel soon after the uh, the, the New Testament was was written uh, moved powerfully into the Gentile world. Mm-hmm. And apostles, of course, like, as starting with Paul, really got this vision from God that this was no longer just for the Jews, uh, who up until that point had had the temple and the presence of God, and they were the, the, the nation set apart uh, for God's purposes. But it was uh, revealed in the, in the New Testament era, this was for the world and for every nation, and, uh, and the gospel burst out of Israel uh, 2,000 years ago. Um, and... On the Jewish side, you know, Jesus wasn't accepted by the by the powers that be, and we have that 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 in the Book of Acts uh, very clearly. Okay, so mm-hmm. you have you have thousands. Actually, it was a, a big movement of Jews who believed in Jesus. But uh, as soon as the gospel 
burst out of Israel, and we see those that 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 history actually written for us in the in the Book of Acts. Um, it, it was it was uh, very soon that the numbers of Gentiles uh, dominated the movement, and of of course in Rome and in and in Europe, and the church grew right. and, and basically wanted its own identity and wanted to break away from its Jewish roots. And on the, on the Jewish side, you know, the rabbis were still cursing Jesus, you know, and, and, and not, not accepting it because they were stuck in their, in their uh, religious interpretation of, of the scripture. So there's this great divide. And so um, Christianity that, that grew in Europe just progressed uh, uh, and grew away from its Jewish roots. And sadly, it, it even came to the point where they, uh, where the early early Christians persecuted the Jews. I mean, this is the saddest part of, of Western Christian history. Okay, the Inquisition, uh, persecutions uh, in in Rome, the pogroms. Okay, in the in the diaspora, because the Jews were scattered, as we know, uh, soon after the the days of Jesus. And uh, of course, we can lay a lot of the blame on at the the feet of the Catholic movement, which was the Christian movement for mm -hmm. for many centuries. Right. But then, of course, it was Germany, the cradle of the Reformation, maybe the most reformed country in the world at the time. That that under demonic leadership came up with the plan to systematically murder all the Jews in the world, and uh, mm -hmm. that leads us into the into into the 20th century. So there was this great divide between uh, between Israel and and the church. And it's only been in recent days that the, this divide is is being healed. And now with the reemergence of uh, Messianic Jews, okay, Jewish people all over the world who are coming to faith in Jesus, being born again, okay, being baptized in water, believing that the New Testament is the is the inspired word of God, but also believing that the Old Testament is the inspired word of God. These Messianic Jews, you know, are 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 uh, changing the face of uh, of Christianity um, because uh, because Gentile Christians have to deal with you know what is what is Jewish identity and and you know. How how can how can you be a part of Israel and a part of the church at the same time? Mm -hmm. So we're we're living in a in an incredible uh, a turning point uh, for the church, and it's really only been in this generation. This is this is this is when uh, with the reestablishment of the state of Israel, with the reemergence of messianic Jewish communities like our own and others, thousands of others now all over yeah. all over the world. Um, the church is beginning to change, to reconnect with its Jewish roots, uh, to, to, uh, to go back to the, the Old Testament scriptures mm -hmm. and, and reinterpret them, not, not as the Catholics did, not even as the, as the Protestant reformers did, but, it, but in light of the fact that it's, it's really all one book and, uh, and Jesus didn't carry a New Testament. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. No, that's exactly right. <laughs> Neither did the Apostle Paul. Yeah, yeah. Right? The, they, the Bible that, that they carried was what we call the Old Testament, and some of us hardly even read it, okay? Now we realize, oh, wait a minute. That's the Bible to, the, to, to our, our, the founders of our faith. Mm -hmm. you know, we've got to look at it in a fresh way. 
and and reinterpret it and re reestablish those foundations. So it's a big change for the church because we've gotten very far from the foundation, even to the extent where we, as a church, Christians as a church, we persecuted the Jews. I yeah. mean, it's it's astounding. Uh, okay, uh, but but that happened. Absolutely. It's, it's an incredible irony to me that in a very short period of time, really, a couple hundred to 300 years, you know, the, the Jerusalem Council, the big discussion was about, do we let the Gentiles in? And 200 or 300 years later, the big, the big question was, you know, do we allow the Jews to, uh, you know, okay. continue to be Jewish? Do we, do we let them in? And uh, it really is uh, incredible irony. And uh, but this, but this is this is this is our day. This yeah. is a massive turn, and so I say, many Christians miss this, not because it's so small, but because it's so big. No one taught us to to look for something this big. Okay, this is really the the turn of the church to the the end times. This is the we're moving into final things now, yeah. uh, with this with this turn, the reestablishment of Israel and the reemergence of the messianic remnant. Interesting days for sure. Yes. I, you said, you know, you said that, you know, the, the apostles and, and, and the apostle Paul as well, you know, they, they read the old Testament. That was the Bible that they, that they <laughs> that carried. The and I, you know, I, I tell people all the time, uh, this idea of seeing scripture with fresh eyes. I think you use that, that term, uh, looking at it in a, in a new way. And I would imagine that that uh, you know Peter and John and and the other disciples when they when they read uh, the law when they read the prophets after they met Jesus they would read it with a whole new perspective. Paul the same. Yes. Uh, and yeah. Yeah. They would they would read it to look for uh, to look for Yeshua to look for Jesus in in those words. And I think that um, we need to to do the same thing, but, but maybe even more so look at, uh, because, you know, we've always talked about the prophecies that have been fulfilled and, you know, Jesus fulfilled all of these 200 and I forget 60 prophecies from the old Testament or more. Uh, but, but we need to look at it again and say, okay, but, but what if, what if when God spoke to Israel as a, as a, as a nation, as a people, you know, what if those words he said to them, he was actually saying to them and not to the not to us not to the church because we we typically contextualize all of that stuff and and we go oh that's for me right and i i i've challenged people and said listen i don't believe that that we can't apply some of those promises to the church that's right i just believe that we can't do it at the expense of God's intent for the Jewish people at the very same time. Is that, is that accurate? That's right. The, the New Testament is very clear that the body of, the, of Christ is Jews and Gentiles. Paul, mm -hmm. Paul was emphatic on this point, and, uh, and that, that <laughs> this was together uh, what, what God meant, meant by his, his kingdom. And uh, now that we're moving into these uh, incredible end times, we're realizing the prophetic significance of so many of the words of, of Jesus. Uh, for example, at the end of, of Matthew chapter 23, you know, he, he, he was uh, stood in Jerusalem and wept over the people of Israel, you know, and he said, I wanted to gather you the way a mother hen would gather her chicks under her wing, but you were unwilling. 
And then uh, the next verse says, see now your house is being left to you desolate. And you could see, and now we know what that meant. He spoke those words 2,000 years ago, and from, from virtually from that day until now, the Jews wandered. Hmm. Okay, they yeah. lost their they lost their their land, their culture, and they wandered for nearly 2,000 years. Now your house will be left to you desolate. Okay, he wept over his own people. Okay, but his, he doesn't end with that. Is the very next verse is, "For I say to you, you won't see me until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord.'" He says, yeah. and so, so he, he's prophesied. It's one of the most magnificent prophecies of the Bible. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's so, it's the scope of it. We're only beginning to realize 2,000 years after the Son of God stood in Jerusalem and spoke those words, what he meant. Wow. Okay. Now your house has left you desolate. You're going to wander. You're going to be outcast. You're going to lose your land. You're going to lose, lose it all. Okay. Uh, but, uh, but you won't, but you won't see me or you might. Today we turn it around. You will see me when you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So now Israel's back. Now the Messianic, we welcome him back. We say in, in Hebrew, Baruch haba, Hashem Adonai, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So now he's being welcomed back. And we're realizing this, this is, we're seeing the outworking of this magnificent plan. Greater, this is the plan of, of humanity is being, is being revealed now God's plan for humanity and and we're really entering the end time now okay I'm not saying the Lord is coming back tomorrow but right. I'm saying he's finishing his work on the planet with this bringing the Jews back releasing the spirit of faith so that there's the messianic remnant is beginning to grow uh, and by the way he, he uh, Paul the apostle predicts that all Israel be safe. There will be a national movement by the time of the Lord's return. Amen. Uh, yeah. Now, explain to me, because uh, I know you have all the answers, Peter. Uh, explain to me. I'm explain. Working, I'm working on it. <laughs> yeah. Explain to me why. Explain to me why in in um, all my years of of Bible college training, um, you know, all my years of of ministry, listening to uh, you know great teachers of the word of God. Explain to me why somehow Romans 10 and 11 were, were mysteries uh, to me until, you know, God spoke to me directly about those two chapters, because this is, it's, it's an anomaly, uh, but you never hear messages on Romans 10 and 11. Well, you know, look, I also went to Bible school and seminary in the United States, and it was a, a little bit different, but basically it's, it's the same. I, I call it blink theology. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we, we blink our eyes at the end of uh, Romans chapter 8 just for a moment, but when we open them again, we're already in Romans chapter 11 because, because Paul is so explicit about the regathering of Israel and what it means, and that uh, by the time of the Lord's return, he's going to have Jews and Gentiles together as one body. And uh, the, when you get to Romans 11, uh, in light of the fact that Israel is back as a nation, and there is a functioning, viable, messianic body in Israel, there are, there are messianic Jews who are, uh, you know, worshiping the Lord in his own language and in his own land, 
mm-hmm. uh, we, we realized, wow, Paul, that was pretty amazing. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Paul got it right 2,000 yeah. years ago when he wrote Romans 11. And, you know, this, this idea, this, this um, move of God that we believe is, is happening and will continue to happen in the land of Israel and will eventually spread to the nations. Uh, Paul references that too, doesn't he? He talks about the, the, the incredible blessing. Yes, this, this is, a, is, a, is a worldwide movement. This is the, the, the end of the age. You know, when when the Lord returns and his foot steps down on the Mount of Olives, okay, uh, it's it's the end of the world we know, but it's the end of the world for everyone in the world. It's not just the end of our theology. It's not just the end of our church, okay, and the way we understand the end times. It's the end of the world for every single human being. Mm -hmm. And so God has a worldwide plan that, that he's... He's working, will continue to work, but he will bring it to its conclusion. And that's, I think that's what we're, we're coming, we're, we're struggling now to come to grips with. It's, yeah. it's uh, we understand the church in a certain way. And because we've inherited uh, good things, as well as things that weren't completely accurate, okay, from the reformers, who also inherited things from the, from the Catholic church that came before them. Some they, they threw out, but others they kept. Okay, right. a lot they kept. Okay, mm-hmm. and and so we, we for the last five hundred years, you know, uh, Martin Luther and John Calvin and others, these great pioneers, you know, uh, we've revered their their understanding and their uh, you know and their their courage and their their calling, but the truth is, we now have to have to go on, because because we have to finish the work, um, and you know, there's a there's still a good deal to be finished. The Central Asia, in terms of the Great Commission, just, you know, um, he's given, he, he gave Europe over a thousand years with the gospel. He's gave, given America, North America, 300 years with the gospel. In places like, like Southeast Asia, Central Asia, they're just getting the gospel for the first time now. Right, right. Uh, and the Arab world, just now, okay, it's the, 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 the conflict of the gospel breaking through for the first time in history is just happening. I just don't believe God is going to truncate his plan, okay? He's going to complete his plan. Amen. And uh, we're on the verge of the most massive move of biblical faith, Christian faith the world has ever seen. Uh, and even if, if, uh, if North America, I would say you're in the, you're in the battle right now. Uh, and, uh, so, you know, it, it's, it's time to pray for God's to, for God to complete his work, not to cut it off. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Because he won't cut it off. No, <laughs> that's <will>. right. <laughs> yeah. God, uh, God has his plan, whether we get on board or not. And, uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't know if you've learned that in your in your years. I in my <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> short time, I I understand God has His plan whether we get on board or not, and uh, I think that uh, it's we, better to be on board. It's better to be on board. Amen. Amen. Peter, this has been uh, very very refreshing and insightful. I appreciate so much you taking some time with us. 
I want to ask you before we're finished here, and, and we'll maybe have a, a few more minutes, but um, people are listening uh, from the United States, from Canada, other parts of the world. And I want to, you know, say something to the, to the church today that's outside of Israel about what it is that we can do to uh, support and bless Israel. One of the things that, that our ministry is about, obviously, is prayer for, for you and for all of the other leaders there in the land of Israel. Uh, we, we feel like um, we want to tell the people that, that support First Century that uh, one of our, our main responsibilities is to, to hold up the hands of, of the leadership there in the land of Israel who are, who are doing the work uh, to, uh, to spread the gospel, to share the love of Yeshua. Um, what, what is it that we can do? How can we best pray for you and for the rest of the leaders in the land there? Well, first of all, we would encourage all of our brothers and sisters, Christian brothers and sisters in the West and in North America, stand fast in your biblical faith and to uh, uh, remain in, in that revelation. Uh, and uh, those of you who, through, through your wonderful ministry, are getting this vision of the significance of Israel to uh, continue to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And, um, you know, in other times I would have said, and come and visit us. But, uh, you know, of course, during this COVID-19 crisis, yeah. you know, that, that's severely curtailed. But uh, we have other, other tools like, like Zoom. And, um, you know, the, the, the Messianic body needs help. We're, we're the first believers, uh, most of us, uh, to, to build visible congregations in this land in 2,000 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it's, it's not an easy thing. Uh, we, we face uh, misunderstandings. We face persecutions in some, in some cases. We, uh, we are, are the, we're not the mainstream of society, but there's a growing interest, uh, and uh, people are coming to faith. Uh, and uh, we need uh, prayer support. We need uh, financial support. Uh, in better times, we'd say, please come and visit, see for yourself with your own eyes. When, uh, when the travel restrictions are lifted. Uh, we, we look forward to, to seeing you uh, here, here again. But this is um, a revelation that it will roll across the church. Mm. Uh, and, we'll, and, and, you know, theologians, as well as church planters and uh, people in all areas of ministry uh, are, are beginning to get involved. It's a, it's a massive turn for the, the great ship of the church, you know, as it's beginning it's uh, this is the final lap of the, of the big race uh and we're preparing uh now for the lord's return so we just we're so grateful for uh jeff for for your your encouragement and for for century foundations and for your your love for the jews and the arabs and the, the messianic body here in the land uh, we really appreciate you and we want to say thank you well, you you're welcome, and uh, I feel, you know, still still very new to this in in many ways. But uh, I'm grateful for God bringing together uh, Clyde and Marion Williamson and my wife and I uh, a few years back, and you know, God had spoken to us as a couple in 19, not 19, in 2008 about Israel, just a a real unique experience where. I knew 
we both knew that something was in the future and it had to do with Israel. That's really all we knew. And we kind of forgot about it almost until, until 2016 when we got approached by Clyde and Marion. And so this has been a journey for us as well. And we just uh, are so humbled and so honored to be able to connect with folks like yourselves and, and the other leaders in the land and want to uh, do whatever we can to help to advance the kingdom, uh, you know, there in the land of Israel. I, I do believe that this is important work. I've always been a champion of missions. And, and to me, this is, is one of the greatest and most significant mission fields uh, in the world right now. I, I mean, I, I know I have tunnel vision in that, in that sense, but, uh, you know, um, we, we just believe that with all of our hearts. And so um, it's, it's wonderful to have you share with us. And we want to continue to uh, support whatever it is you're doing. I know that you do uh, a lot of teaching when groups come to uh, the land uh, there on Mount Carmel. Um, I also know that you're in a, a red zone right now in Esvia, uh, and so you're fairly limited in terms of how much you can move around. We want to just, you know, pray very specifically that uh, the virus itself uh, is is brought under control in Israel and all, all around the world. We're, we're praying for that. <clears throat> but are you doing any uh, teaching, uh, anything that you can invite our listeners to, to be a part of? Uh, via Zoom or any of that kind of thing? Well, yes, we, we post our uh, weekly services, uh, okay. which are in, in, uh, in English as well as, as Hebrew and, and Russian. But we, the English-Hebrew version is posted every week, uh, and you can find us on, uh, on YouTube uh, under Kehilat HaKarmel. And uh, so those, those services are available. Uh, the good thing about this uh, coronavirus, uh, since I, I can't travel, I've been doing more writing, and uh, I've completed a, a, a book that has to do with uh, making disciples of the kingdom um, based on this foundation of the revelation of Israel in modern time. Hmm. And uh, the, the book is, is, the working title right now is Equip, uh, and uh, it's about making disciples of the kingdom. And it should be out in a, in a month or two. Okay, it's a, okay. Being, being edited. And uh, Jeff, I'll be sure to send you a copy. Okay, because I believe it's a it's a new uh, it's a new look at uh, at the command of the Lord to make disciples and uh, and why he 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 prioritized that uh, in his teaching again and again. Excellent. All right. Well, we'll we'll look forward to that. And uh, again, thank you so much for joining me. And uh, our, our love to Rita and the rest of the team there. God bless you in your work uh, in Israel, but in particular on Mount Carmel. And um, we hope to see you again soon. <laughs> yes. uh, it'd be wonderful to be in Israel this year, but I don't know if that's going to happen. We'll maybe have to say next year in Jerusalem. Um, this has been unique because I'm normally there three or four times you know, a year. Right. That's and right. um, so we've been doing lots of these kind of Zoom meetings. I actually had a meeting with uh, with Rita on back in the summer. Uh, That's right. This so way. Much. But uh, I appreciate your time today. The Lord bless you. And uh, have a wonderful rest of your day. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jeff. Lord bless you all. Well, thank you for listening in today to my interview with Peter Sukahira. I hope that uh, you were 
challenged and encouraged. Peter just has some incredible insights, and we will definitely have him on the podcast again. I do want to encourage you to uh, check out their video teaching on uh, YouTube. If you search Kehilat Ha Carmel, you can uh, find them there. Also, I'd like to remind you about our Miraculous Victories of Israel documentary series. And if you are interested in God's hand on the Jewish people over the centuries, and why it seems like he seems to intervene on their behalf over and over again throughout history, right down into the modern era, then I would encourage you to check out uh, these first three episodes that have just become available. They are on the subject of uh, the victory over the promised land, the battle of David and Goliath, and the third one is God Saves Jerusalem, which is the story of King Hezekiah and King Sennacherib and his siege on the city of Jerusalem and God's miraculous intervention. These are incredible documentary series. There are archaeologist interviews, interviews with other pastors, theologians, and we are just excited to be able to release them to you. You can find out everything you need to know about getting either a digital download or a DVD copy from the website MiraculousVictories.com. MiraculousVictories.com. And we would just really, really encourage you to check that out. All proceeds of these documentaries, of course, will be going towards the Ministry of First Century Foundations and helping ministries in the land of Israel. To that end, we also remind you that we are a charitable organization in both the United States and in Canada. And if you would like to help ministries in Israel, like the ministry that Peter Sukahira is involved in on Mount Carmel, and many others, over 70 ministries in the land of Israel, then we challenge you to go to our website and you can donate there, firstcenturyfoundations.com forward slash donate. Thanks so much for listening in today. God bless you. And remember, as Christians, we stand with Israel.